Let's go to the hotline quickly because I want to ask Jordan Pugh a question. We're keeping it real. Can I read some of our text exchange on Saturday? Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, man, yeah. Go ahead. All right. By the way, it's Sex Ags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers <laughs> Rollo Insurance Studio. First text I get from Jordan, 1133. This is a terrible start. And I respond with, what do they do during the bye week with maybe another word mixed in there? Um, he follows up a few minutes later. Carolina is way more physical than us right now. They're beating our on the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yep. And then, oh, and it's the end of the first quarter. We haven't crossed the 50. Yes. Then we didn't text each other anymore because things got better. So, which is good, right? Yep. Like, like, and, so, and, then, and then I was at, I was at my daughter's soccer tournament too, so okay. I couldn't really, you know. So that's the only reason why. Hey, what club does she play for? <laughs> I want to I want to know this information. Say, I say that again. What club does she play for? The Dallas Renegades. Okay, all right. Yep, yep, yep. And so you know, my my daughter's six. She's she's starting her little soccer journey. So I got a, you know, I, I got a soccer uh, girl and I got a dance girl. So I'm a dance dad too. Ooh. So I'm preparing for my father daughter dance on December second. I'm making my debut. Hey, I was a bad parent because I didn't allow, I didn't know this was happening behind my back. But my daughters were watching a show called da- Dance Moms. Do not go there. Mm. It is the meanest okay. woman who runs that program. It, it is just, uh, it's some. I had to I had to eliminate it from our DVR. It had to be gone because that's not allowed in our house well, anymore. Well, you know what. I hope the white doesn't watch the show today uh, because I've never heard of it, nor do I want to hear of it. You don't. So, hey, man, I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? All right. Well, look. Get into it. The ver- the first quarter irritated me. It irritated the the, the crap out of me, okay? They were um, – South Carolina was more physical than us. If I'm not mistaken, was it one – I, I want to say it was either one or two turnovers in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. A&M didn't Don't have any turnovers in the game. Did we even have any? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, yep. then, I, then I'm wrong on that. Okay, because remember, I told you I was in between right. soccer uh, soccer matches, okay? Uh, they were just more physical than us out of the gate. Uh, they were pushing us around. I didn't like how our O-line was playing. The D-line uh, was getting pushed back. Um, you know, by, we didn't cross the 50-yard line in the first quarter. I just thought it was a terrible start. I thought coming out of the bye week, uh, we would have a better a better game plan offensively. I thought we would utilize our weapons more, which we did second quarter on. Now, we got to give us credit. We did do that second quarter on. But that first quarter worried me a lot. It seemed like we were out of rhythm. Uh, it seemed like they had a better uh, a better uh, plan or script to start the game. It, it, they, they, they had us confused. Um, you know, we couldn't make the adjustments very well in that first quarter. Then I think we got on task starting that second quarter. Um Overall, I thought the game was good. Um, I thought that we got a nice – it seemed like he had his breakout. Like, he really got going uh, this week. Um, defensively, we we did what we did like we always do. Man, we were elite. I don't know how many sacks we had again, but it was a lot. <laughs> you know, we were we were getting pressure four. on the quarterback. Uh, how many? Four sacks. So, we had four. Okay. So then, we, so you know, we were getting pressure on the quarterback. Defense was 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 doing uh, what it's been doing every week, keeping us in games, taking over games. Offensively, I still think uh, we're lacking explosive plays. I thought it was a little bit better. Um, my overall feel on the game is, I'm glad we won, but I'm not overly impressed by anything I saw. So I think the only thing I, I, that I that, I, that I'm impressed about was that we got a nice going. I think he had over 100 yards receiving. He was a big impact, uh, you know, um, for a second quarter on. But 
other than that, I thought it was a good win. I thought we could have built upon that a lot more, especially with the team that we're superior to. Uh, but overall, I'm glad that we got the win. I just think that going into this week, this is the swing game. So I don't know. We talked about it last week. I think this is the game that's going to tell us a lot about how we finish out the rest of the season, uh, the perception of Jimbo, all of that. Because Ole Miss is tricky. You know, Ole Miss can be explosive. They can get when they get hot. Uh, you know, they get hot and, and they can they can play real well on offense. Defense can be opportunistic at times. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm excited about this week. I think this week is going to be a it's going to be a big one. But I wish we could have done more. We could have established more on offense, more explosive plays on offense. Uh, I, I guess a lackluster South Carolina team. So that's where I am right now. Uh, that was my feel. No, I do not recant anything from the first quarter. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly what I saw. Uh, but that, that's what I got so far. Well, Jordan, let's get into it too because like I said on the postgame rap, and look, maybe it's hyperbole. Maybe I'm just, you know, I don't know. But like is this game against Ole Miss potentially, if not the biggest of Jimbo's tenure at A&M? Because there's been some big games. And I'm not saying biggest win, mm-hmm. right? But biggest for what it can mean, right? Like – you win, yeah. then you know what? Now you can believe that you can go to Baton Rouge and win, and now you can believe that you can finish nine and three, potentially ten and three. You lose; it is exactly where you've been. You are a seven and five team in everybody's eyes, and yes, yeah, better than five and seven, but that ain't cutting it. Yes, this is the most important game by far. Okay, how do I want to preface this? South Carolina. The reason why I'm happy that we won, I'm glad that we got the win. I'm happy about that. The reason why I'm kind of lackluster about it is because we should have dominated them from the jump. We are the better football team, hands down. Okay, um, I just, you know, I, I think that we just didn't perform to to the best of our abilities as a team overall. And I think coming off of the bye week, that was the most disappointing thing. Now, going into the Ole Miss game. The, the, the Mississippi schools, for whatever reason, have always been a trap for us, whether it's Ole Miss, whether it's Mississippi State, for whatever reason. Ever since we joined the SEC, they've been those trap games for us. I just think the perception of Jumbo right now, uh, you look at you know his record overall uh, at the school, you, you see the way that the, the past couple of seasons played out, but even that uh, though this season has played out, this is, I think, I'll just say it, I think this is the biggest game that he has. Because it's gonna it's, it's gonna swing a lot of people's opinions on who he is as a coach, on what he does uh, with this program, and then you talk about the momentum going forward for the rest of the season. You know that you got LSU looming at the end of the year. There's an opportunity, man, where you guys can finish out how you want to that nine and three record that we talked about, possible ten with a ball game. Man, I think this this is the one that you got to get. This is the one that you have to make a statement on. I think he knows that. Uh, I think the I think the players know that, and I think there's a little bit more pressure on Jimbo, uh, just from a job standpoint, leading into this game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what it what it looks like this week. It'll be interesting to see how aggressive he is because you, you know what Lane is going to do. Lane is out to win the football game at, by all means uh, necessary, right? So I just think, man, th- this, this is the one. Um, this is the one that's going to tell a lot. I don't know if it's necessarily like a job security type of, type of game yet. But I think the perception and where things start to move and start to fester is built is going to be built off this game right here. Hey, you mentioned that you you weren't impressed with the the way I forget how you phrased it, but the way they beat South Carolina. I'm just going to yep. throw this out at you. As bad as South Carolina is, uh, I'm going to throw you yep. some of the games that they've played in. 
They lost by 14 to North Carolina. They lost by, uh, they mm-hmm. beat Mississippi State by seven. They lost by 10 to Georgia. Okay. And then beat them by mm-hmm. 13. I'm just throwing that out there. Tennessee blew them out by 20. Uh, Florida beat them by two. And uh, Missouri beat them by 22 points. So I say that to you like, A&M did what they're supposed to do, a, a tight SEC yeah. game, what other and, – and, and unfortunately, this is who A&M is right now. This is, they're not who we want them to be, but they, they, right. they do beat the teams that they're supposed to beat right now. All right, well, you said, you said the, the magic phrase, they did what they were supposed to do. What I hear is mediocrity. That's what mm-hmm. I hear. I hear they looked they, – they did, they did what, what the average team does. That's what I heard. You have a team – like I told you at the beginning of the season, you have a team that is fully loaded and fully stocked. I don't think that – let's put it like this. The defense has been dominant all year. The defense has done what they're supposed to do uh, uh, this year. When you look at it from an offensive perspective, the, the, the biggest thing that I've had questions with is can we capitalize on the opportunity that the defense gives us week in and week out? Can we be explosive? Can we put up points? Because there's going to come a time where we're going to have to battle it out. Part of me feels like it's this week with Ole Miss. You know you're going to get that with LSU. you got to be able to go toe-for-toe. And I just thought that this week, we, like you said, we did what we were supposed to do, but it was very average looking. It, it didn't look dominant to me. Um, it didn't look like we were the superior team. And I think that's a lot of the issues that, that the fan base has with, with, with the amount of talent that we have, the changes that we've made on the coaching staff, all that. I was expecting to see a little bit more, especially coming off the bye week. I, I don't know. Maybe that altered my expectation as well. But I just think moving forward, this game against Ole Miss, it has got to be one that you win first and foremost. You just got to get the win, okay? So let's make sure we make that clear. But also, there has to be uh, there has to be uh, an explosion of talent. There has to be a, a display of talent, man, where you really see these guys take the next step. And I think that's part of the problem that I have is we we we've built up these recruiting classes. We got all this talent, but where is the next step? I think a lot of the problem, a lot of the uh, things that you posed in that question with Jimbo is where is this next step taken? Another seven to five, another eight and four, whatever. This game has got to be the one that catapults it. It's, it's got to be the one that solidifies uh, what this team is, but it also has to be uh, the catapult to or the catalyst to the rest of the season and uh, coming years. So that's just where I, you know, I am. I understand those, those other scores. I understand what South Carolina has done with some teams, but I still don't use that as an excuse. I still don't want to accept mediocrity. And I think a lot of times we, we fall into uh, the trap of accepting that once we see kind of how the season has kind of gone. And so I think, man, there's a way to write that for the rest of the year, and I think they need to show that. Hey, by the way, I, I want to continue down that path of mediocrity because not an excuse, but a reality of the situation. And I, to be honest with you, I don't care it's the reality of the situation. I expect bigger than where, where we're at right. right now. But I'm going to say yep. it out loud just so we can have the conversation piece. Does Al, is Alabama 7-1 and one if they're on their backup quarterback? No. They're not. Say Tyler, that one more time. Is Alabama seven and one if Tyler Buckner is is starting? If Jalen Milrow went no, down, no, okay, no, no. Uh, if Jackson Dart goes down for Ole Miss, are they seven and one? No. Okay. Uh, LSU. If Jaden Daniels goes down, are they six and two? No. And then the rest of it doesn't really matter, right? If KJ Jefferson isn't right. there, like Arkansas, they probably don't win a game. Well, so, so I, but, but, I, I say all that just to like look. It's not okay. okay it's okay. three straight years of losing your starting quarterback. It is not okay, right? You've got to fix that problem that your quarterbacks keep getting hurt, 
But the reality is, when Connor went down, even though I wanted to believe that Max could be an elite-level quarterback, he was your backup mm-hmm. quarterback, and I expected more offense. I did. I did expect more offense. I still am expecting more offense. But I think the other teams would probably be struggling too, I guess is what I'm saying, and it shouldn't matter. But it, for, for a conversation piece, I throw it out right. at you. Okay, so we're living in hypotheticals. So with those, with those, those are good examples that you gave. I can't refute that. Those are good examples that you gave. Okay, um, let me ask you this. Did you believe from the first, let's say the first two or three games with Alabama that they could be where they are right now? No. No. They fixed, they fixed their offense for Jalen Milrow, and they have Thank the GOAT you. coach. That's my point. Yeah. That's coaching. So, so, so we're going to use that as the case study. When you watched Alabama for the first games, you said there's no way this team is going to get out Without two, with, without at least two losses, let's say three. Let's, throw, let's right. uh, throw three in there. There's no way. There's no way you looked at that team and you said, "Yeah, we got them." We're talking about the we greatest coach of all year. time, though, right? Say, I want to make sure. But, okay, okay. So let's get into that. So if you want to have that conversation, let's do it. We're paying Jimbo just like he's the greatest coach of all time. Yep. So let's so let's have that conversation. Michigan State right. was paying so, Mel Tucker the same kind of way. Thank like, you. It's, it, it, it flows. Same thing. Dabble yeah. dabbles in that uh, in that conversation too right now. Okay. Right. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Nick sat back and he looked. He said, but you know what? This is who we are, and we've got to be able to formulate uh, our type of scheme to the personnel that we have. The one thing that I've been saying about Max Johnson each week is I don't feel like we're catering that offense to what he does well. I feel like what we did with Connor, the offense that, that, that was being run fit Connor's uh, skill set to a T. Right. When you look at Max, it's a lot of downfield throws. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of plays that take a lot of time to develop. Yep. I think Max is a quick rhythm guy. Get get the snap, get the ball out. Get the snap, get the ball out. That's where he thrives. In, okay, so you saw Nick Saban take his team, and you saw him go. All right, scratch the game plan for the for the season. This is what we are, and now they're thriving because Alabama had a dominant defense. Nick Saban said the one thing that we do have is we have a dominant defense. The second thing that we have is we have a mobile quarterback who can use his legs. They're starting to use uh, Milrow's legs more in the offense. You start to see Milrow thrive a little bit more because now they're suiting everything around his skill set. We have a dominant defense just like uh, Alabama. Probably one of the best fronts in the country. I've been saying that. We have probably the best receiving core, uh, one of the best receiving cores in the country. We have everything around that quarterback that you need, but yet we're not utilizing what he does best. I think that's when we talk about the mediocrity standpoint or we talk about the coaching uh, element. That is what I think is bothering me, but ultimately bothering a lot of the fan base is there's no way that you have this skill, all these uh, guys who are this skilled, and you still end up with the same result. That's why this game against Ole Miss is important. Yep. I'll go back to the conversation we had last week about Eli Drinkwitz, about having Mark Stoops. Hell, if you had Lane Kiffin, Running our offense, what would the what what does your imagination conjure up if you see Lane Kiffin with the type of skill set that we have? Well, I mean, the guy has a, a phenomenal offense wherever he goes, and he adjusts that, based on the talent that he has. Exactly. That's why this game against Ole Miss is important. This is exactly why, because the changes have been made. The, the defense is doing this thing. The defense is going to keep you in the ball games, but you can't ask the defense to be perfect every single series. You can't. You have to be able to have a scoring fest every once in a while 
uh, throughout the season. And that's what scares me about the offense is, man, I think it was Tennessee. I think Tennessee was the first game when I looked at the offense and I said, man, this looks a lot like Jimbo's offense last year. When the game started against South Carolina, it looked a lot like Jimbo's offense last year. And I'm kind of, and it's kind of like, are we reverting back to what he's comfortable with? When things start getting tight, it looks like the offense is reverting back to the same type of schematic play that it had last year. And that's what is starting to fester in me a little bit. Now, I want to hold out hope. And I want to make sure <laughs> that I'm just not being a fanboy here, right. and, and I'm and I'm looking at everything objectively. But man, I can't I can't ignore what I'm seeing right now. The defense is balling. Defense doing doing what it has to do. But man, we have got to get more production from the offense and moving forward uh, through the rest of the season. That's the part that is that that may cripple us in the in the uh, the rest of the run. So how do we adjust? What does that look like moving forward this week? That's the question. Hey, Jordan, I, I want to bring up one other ba- uh, backup quarterback comment. <laughs> and, and by the way, somebody okay. asked me why I bring that up. Like, it's to get great answers like that. Like, that was an awesome answer to that question. But we're, okay. about, we're about to, we're in the middle of finding out how Texas handles being on their backup quarterback. First test went flying colors. I know it's the Big 12. Yep. I'm not, they're not doing that against, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Like, I, I, I get that. But. Props for them taking care of business, but we're about to find out about Texas being on their backup quarterback. They're living what AM has lived for the last couple of years. All right. You just made me think about something. Okay. All right. We've been recruiting at high level, correct? Oh yeah. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. High level. So we've been recruiting at a high level. When Sarkeesian was at Alabama, who were his quarterbacks? It was Hertz, Tatua to Mac Jones, to Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. What's the point that I'm making? We keep talking about the backup quarterback. At Texas A&M University, we have recruited our butt off. We have recruited top-tier guys. And we've brought in transfer guys, for example, that can play at the SEC level or the elite level. Okay, Each and every quarterback that Steve Sarkeesian had had a different skill set. Jalen was different from Tua. Tua was different from Max. Max was different from Bryce. But yet, all four of those guys thrive in that system. Okay, so we have our guys. So let's go back. Uh, we have the Kellen Mons of the world. We have the Zach Calzadas of the world, who was a highly recruited guy coming out. Uh, you know the uh, you know I'm drawing a blank here. You had the uh, Colin, uh, uh, you know Connor Wegman's coming out. You had the Haynes King coming out of high school. You have all those guys where we have stockpiled quarterbacks who were highly successful, highly sought after, but yet there has been a development problem with our offense, mm-hmm. which has displayed itself each year that, that Jimbo's been there. Okay. So we finally have some legs going uh, with Connor. I thought Connor, man, it, let's be like this. If we're speaking hypotheticals, I think if Connor continues to play, he's in the Heisman race. That's how well I thought he was playing. All right. But you also have a guy in Max Johnson who has the ability to be just as effective, but used in a different way. This is where it's the swing game for me. There is not an excuse. You're three deep at running back. Uh, your offensive line has been has been not bad. It ain't been good. It's been very average. So that's been the mediocre part of the of the offense. But your skill set is phenomenal. All the other type stuff. At some point, you have got to stop coming up with the excuse, and you have to execute for uh, you know using Jimbo's work. Okay, and you have to be able to utilize what you have. I I just want to make sure 
And I want to keep the standard the standard that we take what we have and we utilize and we maximize it moving forward throughout the rest of the season. Jordan, let's close it out with this. They'd... I'm loving this conversation, by the way. It's been good, man. I wasn't, expect- yeah. I, was, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this for today. And yeah. by the way, no. some people like like C. Rogers is like he's he wants me to say what the problem is. Look, the situation is what the situation is, right? Like you're in the middle of a season. Yes, the coaching staff has to figure it yeah. out. That is, yes. that's always been the case. Not, the, I'm not saying it's not the case, but this is where you are in the season. Can you make the necessary adjustments on the road and win a game that I think will be tight in the fourth quarter? Why will it be tight? Because A&M seems to be tight in all these games in the fourth quarter, right? So I ask you, do you think they can and will make the right plays down the stretch against Ole Miss? Yes, they can do it. Will they do it is the question. That's the one that drives everybody nuts. It's not – I don't know how many times I've said it. They can win out the rest of the games. Matter of fact, they can dominate the rest of the games. It's will they do it? It's not. It's not a lack of personnel. Uh, it's not a lack of of ability. It's are we putting them in the right position uh, to be successful? That comes down to coaching. So let me give you two examples: Alabama, Georgia. Alabama, Georgia at the beginning of the year, very rocky, very slow starts. It's, it seems like they're trying to figure their way out. Uh, you could throw. Ohio State in there too. Let's throw Ohio State in there. So those three schools, it seems like the, the, the boat's shaking a little bit. But lately, as the season has gone on, all of a sudden you start to see different teams. You're starting to see them be more dominant. You're starting to see them take over. That's coaching. Because coaching, you took those those first couple of games and you realized who you are, and now you you elevated uh, their strength. You're playing to the team's strength, okay? And, and you're seeing a different team as they move down the stretch. That's what we need to see from our football team. That's what we need to see from Jimbo. Love it, bro. Always good, man. Always a great conversation. <laughs> all right, man. Let's do it. Let's get, let's get you in studio soon, all right? All right. Sounds good. Later, bro. Jordan Pugh, there on the hotline. I just had a break here. Right now, we're talking about the Association of Former Students. If your organization or business is looking for an opportunity to engage with other Aggies, then check out the Association of Former Students. They're bringing Aggies of all ages together for events throughout the year, like marquee events like the Aggie Ring Day, all Aggie Hullabaloo gathering, and they all welcome tens of thousands of guests. And there are many sponsorship and vendor opportunities available to get your brand in front of all those attendees. All events offer a wide variety of both digital and in-person options to promote your brand. Options include title sponsorship, sponsorship naming, on-site presence, activation, recognition in social media posts, and of course a lot, lot more. There's also advertising opportunities in both the Texas Aggie Magazine and Aggie News Newsletter, which are seen by over 230,000 people. So if your business is ready to engage with Aggies, choose a partner with the organization that's been in support of the Aggie Network for over 140 years. For more information and options throughout the association, please email sponsorships at aggienetwork.com. Let's talk a little Aggie volleyball. Jamie Morrison in studio. Usually at nine twenty, we had to adjust our schedule a little bit. Good morning, buddy. Yeah, sorry I'm late. Thanks oh, for uh, good. thanks for waiting for me. So uh, we'll just get right into it. A little rough stretch going on yeah. right now. How, how do you see things? Like, where's the issue? Is it the uh, competition you've played against? Maybe you all are not doing what you're wanting. Where where are we in in this little stretch? Yeah, I, I think seasons have their ups and downs. And uh, I was doing a thing for our dig deep just about. Uh, I think volleyball, you play. 30 matches in a year uh and it's not a sport where you can go undefeated so uh looking at the schedule we we had two of our tougher opponents in this stretch uh so that was a piece of it 
Um, just until you look at rankings, you got Florida who is 17, you got uh, Tennessee who at one point was top 10, dropped a couple matches, and I think they're 12 or 13. So uh, went back and watched the video, and it's always interesting when you kind of go back and normally it either reinforces stuff or it tells you kind of the opposite thing, and this was almost both. It was uh, reinforced some things that Tennessee is really good at that we need to upgrade. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, some things that I thought, I don't know, we were struggling into the match. It was just a product of we were playing a really good volleyball team and they were able to dig some balls that normally we put away uh, and we weren't able to sustain. But even with that, I think we're, uh, at least I'm frustrated. I think our group's frustrated. It's just we weren't playing our best and we we're still getting within a point in two of those sets and we just couldn't get over that hump. So how, how do you not allow this stretch to linger? I know three is too much for you, yeah. but like to linger in in the matches that are ahead because these are very needed wins for you. All. Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing you do kind of on a win or a loss. You learn from it, uh, and then you flip the page and move on. And uh, I think it's the biggest thing. Make sure that the, the the pieces that cause the losses aren't becoming habits. Understand the other pieces where it's just again the certain things against Tennessee. It was like Tennessee is just better at us at A, B, and C. We got to upgrade, uh, and then go and upgrade. Uh, it's move on to the next one and uh, make sure that you're grinding out the wins that we need down the stretch here. As a coach, how do you personally deal with the storm um, from a coaching perspective, from a mood perspective? Do you change anything? You you seem not to be, maybe I'm wrong here, but you don't seem to be very emotional outwardly um, yeah. right now. Like when talking about it, you, you seem to detach from the, from the moment. Yeah, I think coaching's hard. Uh, and I always tell people whenever I'm mentoring people that are going from being an assistant to a head, it's one of the hardest shifts that you ever make because you're not getting feedback other than W and L. Uh, and if you ride the emotions of that, of like, oh, I'm great, I'm horrible, I'm great, I'm horrible, uh, you're in it for a rough ride. So it's got to be having some fundamentals, some foundations that you're going to operate under uh, and evaluate based on those. So I'm going to teach in this way. I'm going to uh, I don't know, develop our culture in this way. Uh, and then if you're swaying from that, that's when you get a little bit judgmental of like, okay, I can do better than this. So I try to operate under those of, am I operating this team under the fundamentals that I thought, or we're getting away from those and that's why we're losing. And then I get judgmental on myself. Uh, but if you just kind of look at the W and the L or three losses in a row, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm horrible. Like you're going to go into a, I don't know, spiral that you're probably not going to get out of. To follow that up a little bit, it's how, how do you like look at this as a, look, this is a necessary evil uh, in coaching and in learning and growing as a team. Like you don't want to lose three in a row, obviously, but like there are, there, there's so many, there's value in losing, especially yep. if you can apply it ahead. Yeah. I think we've been saying it all years and all year. And like I've come in here, we've had one loss. This is the first time we've had three and those are harder. They start to build on each other. But even after the one loss, it's this, the idea that you got to learn. You have to take it. You have to learn from it. Uh, and I think the thing that I don't know, gives me encouragement going forward is every single loss that we've had is built towards something positive. So I came in here at one point and talked about losing to Arkansas. That, hey, like we went, we were tired, we were sick, uh, we had some flight delays, all sorts of things happened, and we were able to go out and kind of grind out a set win in there and then be close in some others, and then it fell apart. And then the next match, we turned around and we beat Florida. So it's got to be, hey, like learn from the things that got us into this, that uh, we need to be better at A, B, and C. Like we need to be able to fight even when we're not playing our best. Like the lesson I hope we learned from this last match, even though we're not playing our best, we're within one point in two of those sets. And it's got to be that, and that, hey, it doesn't matter if we're not feeling great. It doesn't matter if, I don't know, we're not playing great. All we need to do is be two points better than our opponent. Uh, and that's the lesson I hope we take from it and we apply this next week against uh, Alabama on Friday. I feel like it, at least against Tennessee, 
that lesson was kind of learned throughout the match, right? Because yeah. you did play some of the best volleyball in the third in the yeah. third set. Yeah, I thought, and again, like the thing that was encouraging to me is we turned things around a little bit in the third set. And we've talked about this early on in the year, and like lessons maybe don't become a piece of who you are. That when you're playing a good volleyball team, you got to come out from the beginning and grind, 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 just because you can't. I don't get in an O2 hole because we didn't show up right away. It's got to be all right. Maybe we lose the first, we come, we rebound, we win the second, and then all of a sudden it's this grind back and forth against the best teams where it goes five sets. And uh, I think our sport's very, very interesting. It's one of the few in the world where you get a reset. Like even if you lose the first set, you get to reset in the second at zero zero. It's not like basketball where you get into a twenty point hole right. and you've got to dig out of the twenty point hole. Uh, it's not like football where you have a bad first half and you got to dig out of it, or vice versa. It's every single set, it resets back to zero, and it's about me showing up now, and if I don't in this set, I need to do it in the next one for sure. So uh, that's a muscle we're learning to flex over time. How about early success and what it's expectations yeah. internally? Um, sometimes it sets unrealistic expectations yeah. as well for fans and players in, in the locker room. Yeah, and I don't know if it was full. If you rewind, uh, I don't know, six months ago, and then we were sitting down here and say, hey, did you think we would be whatever we were at one point, like 12 and 2, 16 and 3, something like that, whatever it was? I'd probably say no. I wouldn't have expected that at the beginning of the season. But uh, I think the expectations got uh, upgraded. But I think it was because of the way we were playing volleyball. Uh, and my biggest thing is just we need to get back to the fundamentals of how we were playing at that time. And regardless of win or lose, I'm happy with that. But I think that style of volleyball wins volleyball matches, and we need to get back to it. Let's close out Alabama-Auburn, big weekend. Big weekend. Uh, another weekend at home, too. Another uh, opportunity for us to play in front of the 12th man. So, uh, Mac Reed. <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, and two really good opponents. Uh, just Alabama's been struggling a little bit this year when you look at the records, but uh, every time I've been scouting other teams and watching them, like, man, they're physical. Like They have some people that can put some heat on a volleyball. Uh, and then Auburn, uh, good volleyball team, I think still ranked or right near the ed edges of it. So they're either 24, 25 or just out, but uh, good volleyball team that's had a good season. And I think uh, one that, and two, I think that we absolutely need to win. So uh, looking forward to the opportunity to rebound. I saved this one for you because you're always here when I do the spot on Aguilan Express. So I, I saved it. I was like, hey, Jamie's coming in later. I'll do it now. Because you've, you've almost memorized it, right? I do. I think I have the phone number memorized. I might be caller number one this time. Caller number one. We're going to give you a free car wash from Aguilan Express Car Wash in South College Station off of William D. Fitch in Greens Prairie. Aggie owned and operated with a friendly staff and a personal touch. They offer a monthly membership, but we'll give the first caller a free car wash right now from Aguilan Express in South College Station. 979-693-1150. Hi, it's Tex Ags Radio, presented by David Garner's Jewelers Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's get to know a little bit more about Ole Miss. Neil McCready, a good friend of the show, joining us here, rebelgrove.com. Neil, what's up, bud? David, happy Halloween. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well, man. So I was, I actually didn't realize this. I was, in my mind, I'm, I was thinking before I, I got into today, it was like, well, if Ole Miss struggles like they did at the end of last year, you know, what kind of regular are they going to have? And then I look at their schedule, really it comes down to, in my opinion, this week, and Georgia, for them, regardless, like they're going to have a good year regardless, not maybe where they are right now, but regardless of what happens, this is, and I've used that word a hundred times now, they're going to be in a pretty good spot, I feel. Just so how important is this A&M game because of that? Oh, it's huge. Uh, it's, it's um, you know, you have to make a couple of assumptions here. You have to assume that uh, Ole Miss, like everybody else, is going to lose to Georgia because no nobody beats Georgia. They haven't lost in 25 games. And they haven't lost in Athens since 2018. So if you're if you're counting that as a W, well, God bless you and your optimism. But 
it's, it would be a monumental upset. And then you have to assume that you win at state. Um, and, and Ole Miss is better than state this year. They were better than state last year. I think they're even considerably better this year, but it's still a rivalry game on the road and it's college football and weird things happen. But if you make those two assumptions, then yes, Texas A&M is the difference between 10 and two and nine and three. It's the difference between maybe the citrus bowl or the, what used to be the outback bowl. I don't know what we call it now or an access bowl, maybe the orange or the cotton. It's a big deal. It's a huge, huge game. Um, you know, it would be for Ole Miss, a program that's, I think, won 10 regular season games twice in the program's history. It would be an opportunity to do it for the third time. For Lane Kiffin, it would be the second time in three years. They went 10-2 and two in, in 2021. So uh, it's monumental. And then, look, back to the Georgia game for a minute. In the event that you give Ole Miss a win against Texas A&M on Saturday, that puts them at 8-1, and one, puts them at 5-1 and one in the league, and it makes the Georgia game a free shot. It's a free shot. There's nothing to lose. And if you happen to win it, well, obviously the repercussions are monumental. You would immediately launch yourself into the college football playoff conversation. And, um, you know, a loss to Texas A&M eliminates all that. that that's out. You know, at that point, you, it, it, that conversation is over. And uh, Georgia's a free shot, but it doesn't have the same upside if you were to pull it off. And then you'd finish with ULM and Mississippi State. And like you said, it would still be a very good year, but They've positioned themselves to have a special year, but it's contingent on beating Texas A&M. Do you think, and after kind of going through what's left in the schedule, I think I know the answer, but are, is this Ole Miss team more like the 2021 team with Matt Corral or more like the team last year that lost four or five to end the season? They learned a lot from last year. Uh, they they talked about it all offseason. They've talked about it a lot this season. They've learned about the absolute paramount importance of culture, especially when you are a program that is being built through the portal. Uh, I think uh, Lane will tell you that that last year they they sort of eschewed that. They're like, ah, you know, it's football. You bring in players, f- players play. And I think they discovered that wasn't the case. That you had to you had to have more than that. It had to be more than that. And um, they've they've been much more cognizant of that over the course of this season, over the course of the off season, over who they brought in. And this is a a, a more of a workman like team. I think it's. I think it's different than both of those two teams, but it, it's it's certainly more like the 2021 team where there's there's actual there's actual leadership on this team. It's not a knock on last year, but last year's team was not particularly strong mentally. Uh, this one is. This team has has trailed Tulane, LSU, and Arkansas in the fourth quarter of games and come back and won. This is a far more resilient, tougher team. Even though I'm I'm not sure that it's any more talented than last year's team. Maybe not as talented. Neil, I look at their sack numbers. I see thirty sacks, and I haven't gone in and haven't dove into it and seen where they happened and how it's happened. But A and M gets a lot of credit for their thirty-three. Ole Miss is close. So tell me about that 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 defensive front and how they get to the quarterback. Uh, they've done a really good job with uh, with matchups. They're they're deep there. They don't have the special five star kind of player uh, up up front, but they've got three guys that are on the NFL radar. Another couple that that are pushing it. And then they've got a couple of veteran guys that even though they probably won't play at the next level, they've played a lot of football and they're really savvy. And they're able to play a lot of players and they, they're getting a lot of second half sacks because they're fresh. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this around the league. I certainly think I have. I think offensive line play around college football is down. Mm-hmm. I think offensive line play in the SEC is down and it has allowed Ole Miss with 
uh, Jared Ivey and Cedric Johnson and J.J. Pegues and, and some of those guys, Aquilo Stone's been a surprise. Some of those guys have been able to get to the quarterback and make plays. Talking to Neil McCready here on Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. So I'm listening to Lane's presser yesterday, and I take <laughs> it as digs at Jimbo in an A&M in, in, in a Lane Thanks. way. Well, others have responded to me that that's just Lane. That's just who he does against. But th- there was a little more in that one. You know, you know the guy better. Tell us. I I was blown away yesterday sitting there. I was like, well, wow, this is just this is just shade. This is wasn't even trolling because trolling is usually subtle. I thought this was direct. Uh, now he he was very complimentary of Texas A and M, and I agree with him. By the way, I've watched six, seven A and M games this year. That is an elite roster, man. I mean, they are really talented. Um, Lane doesn't have that level of high school talent. In, in, on his roster, he doesn't have those guys. He, he, he had, he's had a hard time getting those guys. Uh, so I, th- I think, in, on one hand, he was complimenting what Texas A&M has done and putting that collection of talent together. And on the other hand, he was very clearly, repeatedly saying they should be better than they are. And he complimented Petrino and in so doing took shots at Jimbo, saying that they're even harder to play this year because schematically they're better. He said that two or three times. I mean, that is a shot at Jimbo. They don't like each other. Uh, I don't think Jimbo visited with Lane before the game last year in College Station on the field. I think Lane took offense to that. They've taken shots at each other about the Saban stuff. I just don't think the two men care for each other that much on a, on a personal level, and it came out in, in yesterday's press conference at the same time while he was being very complimentary of the collection of talent that's at Texas A&M because, David, I mean, it from the outside looking in, it, that is a really talented roster. I mean, they have some guys on defense that you're just like, whoa. Like the linebacker, I mean, I, that, that kid is special. And then they've got they've guys got up front that that are incredibly disruptive. I, I watched, you know, A and M against Auburn. I watched A and M against Arkansas, where just defensive line alone disrupted that game in a way that Auburn and Arkansas, respectively, really had no chance. Well, the defense hasn't been the problem. The offense has been the problem, and part of that is because Connor's not here. The offensive line's been a struggle, um, but. Tell me about the Ole Miss defense beyond the thirty sacks. Like the, these games, I'm looking at are pretty have been pretty close for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're Pete Golding, the former Alabama defensive coordinator, is in year one at Ole Miss. He's done a remarkable job. They went in and added more than twenty guys out of the portal. Um, they've kind of revamped the whole thing uh, early in the season. It, it it was a little shaky. They've gotten better and better, with the exception of LSU. And I, you know, Lane has repeatedly said, and I kind of think he's right. Uh, you have to take LSU. It's a bit of an outlier. That offense is so good. You guys will see it at the end of the year. I mean, you'll have your hands full. That offense is when Daniels is healthy and those receivers are healthy and they get rolling. It's they're hard to stop. And uh, they they did their they did their number in Oxford against Ole Miss in a, a wild high scoring game. But he said, you know, you, you learn from that, but you also have to. Be careful that you don't overreact to that because that's how good they are. And there's not another offense in the league that compares to what LSU does. And um, other than that, you know, they, they've just been solid. They're, they're not super fast, but they're, they're in the right place. Uh, they're pretty opportune, causing some turnovers. They, they've been some, but they're, they're pretty good in the red zone. He's done a good job. But look, you don't look at that defense on the field or on paper and, and you're not wowed by it. It's not 
It's not full of elite guys. They've got a freshman linebacker, Sunterine Perkins, who's going to be a, a very good player in this league, maybe a great player in this league. And he's getting better week after week and, and is becoming pretty impactful. But other than him, I don't know that there's there's this collection of guys that you look at and go, that guy's a star. That guy's an SEC elite player. But they've done a really good job of using the pieces in the right way and Kids are starting to believe in it, buy in it, and they're playing with more confidence on the defensive end. And they've had, they've had three pretty good defensive games in a row. Um, you know, Arkansas and Auburn, and now Vanderbilt. Neil, do you expect this game to be a close one in the fourth quarter, like they've been in the past, and like all of these A and M games? Um, just what's your gut of how this game plays out? Yeah, I, I think this is a close game. I, I don't, I don't really see a scenario where either team blows the other one out. I don't know how that would – I have a hard time sort of picturing that in my mind. I mean, other than the goofy stuff, right, where one team turns it over six times, and that's not predictable. And that stuff happens, but it's pretty rare. I, you know, I think a and is going to have some some effective – a lot of effectiveness defensively against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to, to uh, try to get to Johnson, and I think they probably approach it like they'll, they're confident that they can – I'm not completely sure Jackson Dart's completely healthy. Um, and when he's not, he's he hasn't been as effective as he was earlier in the year when he was off to a fantastic start. Yeah, I, I think it's a close game. Um, I think Lane was being serious when he said he's really glad this one's in Oxford, not in, in at Kyle Field where the, the crowd could work against Ole Miss late. Obviously, they'll have the advantage of, of the crowd will be in, in, in their favor, but yeah, I think it's a close. It's a super close game. I, I don't see how it's not. Ole Miss has played a bunch of close games. They Georgia Tech was a fairly close game. Tulane was a fourth quarter game. Um, you know, they they, they kind of handled Auburn. It looked it ended up looking closer than it was. The Arkansas game was very close. They could have easily lost to LSU. Um, yeah, I, I anticipate more of the same. Neil, great stuff, man. Appreciate your time, brother. Let's talk soon. All right. All right, David. Thank you. Take care. Neil McCready there, rebelgrove.com, does excellent work. Always uh, love running into him as you see media days or whatnot. All right, let's hit a break. We'll come back with some stats from Ethan Jones right now. Caldwell Country Chevrolet, you know where to find them, Highway 21 in Caldwell and online at caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. When you're ready for a vehicle, just start your search there. I don't care if you're in Dallas, if you're in Houston, Navasota, I don't know how I picked those three, uh, San Antonio, wherever you may be, right? Look. You, you should check, you know, with the internet, I don't know if you've heard of it, you can check, like, these these lots around in Texas and see what the pricing, right? Check out Caldwell Country Chevrolet. And if you're close, definitely check it out. But start online because you'll see the deals that they have. You'll see the vehicle selection that they have. And then you get a kind of feel for what, what potentially is out there for you. And then if you are able to make the commute out there, you're going to be blown away by the customer service, by the pricing, by the trade-in value, and just the good old people that work there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. It is the place to go if you're looking for pre-owned vehicles, if you're looking for just something different, if you have got a kid who's going to be driving here soon, place to go and get your vehicle. 15-minute drive at the very edge of Bryan to the very edge of Caldwell. Just a short conversation away, but you'll see the difference when you step on the lot and do business with the good people there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 in Caldwell and online, caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. All right, we're back, Tex-Tax Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. Ethan Jones has got some stats for us from the South Carolina game. Let's get into it. Okay, so the best quarter, obviously, from that game was the second quarter. Um, that's the reason we won. We outscored them 21-0 to in the second quarter. Um, and there's some things we did in the second quarter 
if we can continue to be successful in them for the rest of the season, I think we can have a good end of the season. Um, one was yards per play. We had seven yards per play in the second quarter. The rest of the game, only 4.3 yards per play. Yards allowed. We only we In the second quarter, they had negative 21 yards. The rest of the game, they had 4.8 yards per play. Um, we had four sacks in the second quarter, zero the rest of the game. A uh, big thing was big plays. We had four total in the second quarter, only five for the rest of the game. And we had zero big plays allowed in the second quarter, seven the rest of the game. Um, our third down percentage, which is a big thing, like this whole season, third down the percentage has been one of the biggest things determining wins and losses. We were 66.7 in the second quarter, and then only 23.1 in the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> so we all need- about the second quarter. We need to continue to do what we were doing in the second quarter. Um, another big thing I saw was Anaya Smith. He had a great game, six receptions, 118 receiving yards, and a 42-yard touchdown reception, the longest for uh, the longest touchdown for A&M this season. Um, he was definitely more involved, and when Anaya Smith is more involved, we win. Um, here's some stats that show that. Receptions and wins, he averages five. In losses, he only averages 2.7. Receiving yards and wins, he averages 86.8. In losses, only 45. 15-plus yard receptions, he has 12 in our five wins and only four in our three losses. So it's all about getting a nice Smith involved. He's our best playmaker, and we need to give him the ball. When we do, we win. Um, here are a few more promising and discouraging stats for the rest of the season from the South Carolina all right. game. So one of AM's biggest weakness on defense this season has been their secondary and allowing explosive plays. But Texas AM defense held Spencer Rattler to 176 passing yards, only one 20-plus yard completion and only a 60.6 completion rate. Before this game, Spencer Rattler averaged 29.7 passing yards, 4.7 20-plus yard completions per game, and a 70.6 completion rate. So our secondary looked really good against Spencer Rattler, who's been a really good quarterback this season. All right, hold the rest of the stats or the next one for the uh, rewind. Good job, Ethan. Appreciate you. That's going to do it for Texags Radio on a Tuesday. Tomorrow we're doing the old switcheroo. Bronny's going to join us early. Schloss coming in. Got some other surprises for you. That and more. It's Texags Radio. We'll see you mañana. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.